Welcome to another episode of the Eccentrics with UI. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Three Nuggets Wednesday, and you can get access to Three Nugget Wednesday by visiting the website www.uiukpong.com. And with that, you can um, insert your email address on the pop-up that would show up on the homepage. What is Three Nuggets Wednesday? Three Nugget Wednesday is a newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. Um, it comprises of three things that I found the previous week that I believe might add value to your life. And um, yeah, it's very straight to the point. Most times it's a web link to an article I read, a video that I found interesting, or even music or anything. So, um, go on the website input your email address and i hope you find it valuable and if you do please share with a friend and uh yeah that's all about three three nugget wednesday thank you so who is on the show today uh today we have elsie wairimu and who is elsie wairimu elsie is a business conscious lady a former model a travel enthusiast with a great attitude towards life. She's an ambivert. Sometimes you can find her dancing her heart out while hanging out with friends. Or she's very comfortable staying in her home for a whole week without even venturing out one day. She loves to read and likes reading a lot, to be honest. She has visited 14 countries. She enjoys baking and her favorite uh, food of choice in baking is banana bread. And with that, I introduce you to Elsie, and I hope you get to enjoy our conversation. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is uh, greetings from Calgary, as always, starts. So that way you get to know that where am I? Where is you are in the world? I have someone with me. Her name is Elsie Wairimu, and Elsie is based in Nairobi as we speak. And I'm very excited for Elsie to join the show. So I'm going to just tell you guys a fun fact here real quick. I have known Elsie, I think the first time Elsie and I met was towards the end of 2020. And my neighbor who was on the show uh, just a few episodes ago, uh, Julia Banda, introduced me to Elsie. And she's and I was talking to Julia and I was like, man, I really need banana bread. And she's like, Elsie makes great banana bread. So that's how myself and Elsie got to meet. And I was always eating her banana bread. And she made it with brown wheat as well, which is much better than what the stores sell. I'm very healthy conscious, as you get to know. So I've got Elsie with me. And that's how we got to know one another through banana bread. And I would like Elsie to say hello. Hi, everyone. I'm really, really excited to be part of your podcast, UI. Yes, and I'm looking forward to, you know, having a great conversation. Fantastic. So I'm going to start the conversation by saying something seismic happened yesterday in Kenya. For the first time in Kenya's history, somebody without a, as to how would they call it in Kenya? Um, what's the word that they always use? Names that have always been recycling from father to son, father to son. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost like nepotism in when within uh, politics. So yesterday, something seismic happened in Kenya, and I will allow the Kenyan in our midst to tell tell us what happened yesterday and how was it yesterday or Tuesday? Uh well, it's Wednesday here, so it was yesterday for us. It's oh, Tuesday. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yesterday. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. what what hap- what happened yesterday in Kenya? Oh, we got our, finally, we got our election results and we got, um, the, for the first time, the president become, became the president through the first trial. And he's not, it's not like hereditary. It's not like he got it from his father or he's been um, vying before to be president. But yeah, we got the results. Although um, it has been consented, contents, what's the contested. word? Contested. Contested. Yeah. And um, the the other party is going to court to contest the outcome of the results. So we're still waiting because um, they were not satisfied with the results. So we will get the actual results after the court's decision. Yeah. Mm. I, I saw yeah. I saw a meme I saw a meme somewhere saying that the Supreme Court has already sent a note to say we look forward to seeing you for the fifth time. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's happened. I mean, it was very expected. It was expected. Um, people are making fun that even if they they had won, the ones who contested, they would still have gone to court. So I, I don't mm. know. I mean, it's it's been happening over and over again. This is, the, I think, the fourth time. So, well, we'll see. It's not the first time we're, we're going through this. Yeah. But we are happy me- that it's it's peaceful. We have... Very, we have had a very peaceful um, election. It was a bit of tension, but it's yeah, it's good. It's peaceful. We've we've matured politically, I think. Yeah. And it's and it's um, one thing that I keep on hearing from my friends in Kenya is that this time around it was very very transparent in terms of the tallying and people watching it live on TV and all that. Is that correct? Correct. Um, you could also you could even download the results, all the forms that were uploaded by them returning officers anybody could access them so it was very transparent for the first time yeah but, but my question is why did it take so long i mean with technology and everything is it that they were using they were counting it manually or is it that they didn't want to put it through machines that can count these things quicker quicker because six days is is long <laughs> i know i mean nobody has exact answer to that but uh only the 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 people in charge the commission are the ones who know that uh the reason why they took so long but we, they were explaining that um the forms that, that were uploaded they had to verify them physically hmm. to compare the ones that were uploaded with the ones that were being brought so it took some time for the forms to come from you know different places to be brought to the um Talent center so i think that's a reason why it took so long but who knows the exact mm. reason mm. My, 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 my last question on this vein were you a happy camper when the result came out without you telling me too much <laughs> honestly um i don't know i can i can say actually um i was a bit tired of recycling these leaders and uh actually i had decided not to vote Oh, uh, uh, but then I was I, I was supposed to be outside the country. But then when I decided uh, when I decided that I wasn't I wasn't going to be outside the country, I decided why not? Let me just vote, even if it's for the unpopular candidate. So 
yeah, I was hoping for someone new, someone fresh. Well, but I mean, it's a democratic country, so we accept the results as they come in. There will always be a winner and a loser. So, yeah, mm. I'm content. Yeah. Basically, you've, you've already told me who you voted for. <laughs> 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 well, one of, one of the reasons that made me excited to bring you on the show is because you have traveled to 13 countries. And I am very intrigued on knowing your travel experience. And also, I was told you also lived in Germany for a couple of years. So uh, is that is, yeah. is that correct? Uh, the first time I went to Germany was for um, eight, nine months. But then I went after again. I went over and over again. So, yeah. So the first time wasn't I didn't leave for years. It was um, for because I went to do my semester abroad. But I, I'll get to that. I'll tell you. Yeah. How I got okay. there. Yeah. So, so, so for, for how was how how would you track your travel journey? Basically, I mean, when was the first time you left Kenya, and where did you go, and how was that experience like, and how did you catch this travel bug for you to be able to put thirteen countries on your itinerary so far? Ah, uh, so the first time I traveled outside the country, outside Africa, was when I went to Germany, and I was I was studying. So I got a scholarship from my university to do my semester abroad and they had an affiliation with a German university and I went there and I studied and oh, oh boy, the culture shock <laughs> because it was my first time, my very first time to travel outside Africa. First, 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 of, first of all, where did you go to university in Kenya? I went to the University of Nairobi. And you studied what? Ah, I studied veterinary medicine for two years but then i didn't like it <laughs> no way wow okay can you imagine yes and then i i enrolled in another program i studied bachelor of commerce and uh, majored in finance and then in the finance program we had uh, our university our campus had an affiliation with a certain university in germany uh born Reinzig, and i went there for for a course in international management. Yes. Hmm. So why didn't you like veterinary medicine? And what, what even intrigued you about veterinary medicine in the first place? I don't hear a lot of people in Africa thinking of veterinary medicine personally. I wasn't intrigued at all. I, I really wanted to study human medicine, but I didn't get the exact grade to do, the correct grade to do um, human medicine. So... Um, in our, I don't know if you know our uh, program in Kenya, you are admitted to a course depending on what grade you get. Sometimes okay. you are not admitted because you chose the, the course. Sometimes you are admitted depending on the grade that you got. So I got, I was admitted, but it, it was government sponsored. This happens only for government sponsored students. So if you're not oh, government okay. sponsored, you can you can choose whatever course you want because you're paying for yourself. Okay. So um, so I was admitted to study veterinary medicine, which I didn't like. Well, honestly, my mom knew I didn't like it, but of course she was like, you know, I also wanted to be a vet doctor, so you have to do it. I studied the first year. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't getting into me second year i didn't like it and so i transitioned to to to, to do finance uh, but this time i had to pay for myself because i had already it had, had already taken two years in the government sponsored program and i didn't change within the time given that you have to change so now i had to 
figure myself out because my mom didn't want me to change. Um, I had to start a business. We used to get student loans. So I started my own business. It was a small business. It was, a, it was an ice cream. I think I was 20 or 19. It was an ice cream, ice cream parlor, I remember. And surprisingly, it was doing so well. Uh, and I was able to pay $800 for my first semester by myself because my mom refused to pay for my school okay, fees. Okay, 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 you, you, you got to press pause. Like, there's so much I can untangle here. So the, the, the government-sponsored program is, yeah. they, give you, they give you that for four years. Is that correct? Yes. And because you've already used up two years... Mm-hmm. In a program that you didn't you didn't like, and you did not change in the time frame that you could change to still stay on that program. Yeah. When you when you switch to bachelor of um, management, which finance as a focus, you could not still stay on the government sponsored program. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so basically, so had... you okay? Con- sorry, continue. So I had to be self-sponsored. So I had to pay the full school fees by myself. Which is, when you say $800, we're basically just saying 80,000 shillings, basically. Yeah, I remember very well. It was 83,000. I think 400, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, where did the idea of opening an ice cream parlor come about? Because, I mean, if when I think of University of Nairobi, there's a very popular ice cream store close to University of Nairobi called Snow 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 something. Snow cream. Snow cream, thank you. So how did you come about creating an ice cream parlor to fund your school fees and the expenses around your school fees since your mom was not happy about your change? Uh you know funny thing is that my my ice cream parlor was called snow cream because the idea came from that snow cream. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it wasn't in Nairobi. It was in Kiambu. It was, it was, that is where my, my village is. There was nothing like that. Oh, okay. Yes. So I, I had like two employees because I was still in school. Hmm. Remember? So I had two, two people working for me and I raised money for my first semester, second semester. But now, um, I got too busy with school. And now, you know, when you, People already know where you're getting your stuff from. They started buying the stuff from where I was getting, the ones I had employed, and selling them mm. in my shop. So, oh I mean, that was, mm. those were some of the challenges I got. So the business went down like that hmm. after two semesters. Basically one year. Yes. Okay, so now you've paid your first... 83,400 by yourself. How were you able to raise the other funds considering mom was like, see you later? And you know, I had already stopped uh, going, I had already stopped with my veterinary course. Now I was doing finance and uh, now I had to tell my mom, uh, you know what? I start, I stopped, I stopped studying vet and now I'm, I'm in finance and I don't have money. <laughs> hmm. uh, she was of course upset. Um, one semester so I was not in school for one semester but then she paid after that she Mm. helped me out after that yes and then that's how yeah I was I was I was so business oriented from the beginning I think it's because I was always very very responsible I never wanted to ask 
anything from anyone. It was actually, I was using my student loan for my food and everything. I don't even remember asking money from my mom. Of course, she would give me and my grandfather also would give me every time I would go home. But then I felt like I didn't want to ask any money from them. So it got me to just start my own businesses start my own things because you know I wanted to travel there's no way my mom was going to give me money to go to Mombasa or to go travel anywhere else so uh that's how I started my very 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 first business I was 20 yeah where did this this self-sufficiency side of you come from if you can trace it back uh it's, it's because I'm a fast one I guess oh okay and um yeah i i don't i just it's just in me i just feel like i'm responsible for everyone i should take care of people i don't want people to take care of me yeah hmm. okay so you're now in bachelor of finance and then the other thing that i the other question that is going through my head is you started off mm-hmm. with with um human medicine as your first choice you didn't get into human medicine which is your first choice you got into veterinary medicine you didn't enjoy veterinary medicine how did you choose bachelor of management to the focus in finance from human medicine that's a huge big yeah there's a big divergency there so how did you choose that and how did you know you were going to enjoy it because i was very good in math i wanted something that i would do easily and quickly so I knew if I got into finance, I would finish in, a, in, a, in three years. And remember, I had already wasted two years. And now mm. my, when I'm getting back to first year, my friends were already in third year. They were going to graduate in the next year. So I wanted something quick so that I don't feel like I have been left behind too long. I didn't want to do a human medicine course that would take me another six years. Vet, vet med would take me five years. But I didn't want to prolong this I just wanted, I didn't want to feel like I'm lagging behind. So I wanted a course that I would really, really excel and in a very short time. <laughs> yeah, okay. but I was very good in mathematics. Yeah. So yeah, it was very, very easy for me. Mm-hmm. So you, how, how long did it take you to finish uh, the this particular program? Three years. Oh, three years. Okay. So yeah. it, was, it was in these three years that you had an opportunity to do an exchange program to go to Germany. Yes. Okay. Now, I have okay, a, let I me have... explain how I, I managed to get there. Re- remember, I have a background in vet medicine. It was very, very tough. Like we had classes from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. We only had lunch break and 10 minutes tea break. So my mind was constantly working. I was used to study, study, study. Finance was not very tough for me. Okay, for a lot of people, we would have like a whole day free we would have only afternoon classes or morning classes. But now I still had a culture of like being industrious and, and all. So I, I became very good um, in finance. So that's how I managed to get the scholarship to go and do um, my studies in Germany. So I have a friend of mine, childhood friend, who is currently in Germany right now. And he's a neurosurgeon <laughs> now. And he was telling me that to work in germany you have to learn the language especially as a medical doctor to be able to relate with patients and stuff and it was until he was proficient with the language at a certain level that he was able to be given the license to practice medicine in germany you speak english the german language is 
I mean, I listen to it because of football. And I'm like, I can't handle that. And you are there for eight months. You just arrived from Kenya that predominantly is Swahili and English. How did you cope? I learned basic German in one month. It was like a super, super stressful course. Like you had to learn in one month. The whole month was just German language course. Uh, but it was just for basics for you to be able to, you know, go around, not be stranded. Um, it wasn't for you to be able to study in German because it would have taken you much, much longer for you to learn like the proficiency of the language. Uh, because our course was in English. They also had uh, English courses. So the international management course was in English, luckily. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I see. So how yeah. was your yeah. how was your eight months there, first time outside of Kenya, no friends there, you have to build everything from the beginning. How was that period? So we were two of us. Two, I, I had myself and my colleague uh, together. We went to study there together from the same university, but we were in different courses. He was studying IT, international information systems. Yeah, there was a specialization in bachelor's of commerce. Yes, it was international systems, uh, in, in information systems. So the first day, I remember, it was such a huge culture shock because um, we landed in Frankfurt and... And then, oh, we had a bit of a uh, technology mishap there, but uh, Elsie is back with us now. And uh, Elsie, where you left off was you're about to tell me you have arrived in Germany and you came with your colleague, but he was in information systems and you were in your program. And then you were about to explain this culture shock you have, you were about, you're about to experience uh, in this eight months of your journey in your first time in Germany. Yes. So um, the first culture shock was time, time management. Like the time in Germany is so accurate. It has. I'm telling you, we got our, when we got to Frankfurt, we had to take a train uh, from Frankfurt to Bonn. Okay. So, um, so the time we were supposed to leave Frankfurt was 9, 9.43 a.m. in the morning. I mean... We were like, how, why is it not at 9.45 or 9.30 or 9.43? <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, it can be, I mean, maybe this is the time the train is supposed to arrive and then we leave at around maybe 10, right? Because mm. we couldn't imagine, it was so real, like we couldn't imagine that a train could be, a time could be so specific from where we were coming from. So um, we waited, we saw the train, it was there. And we saw a train leave. We were standing there. It's not that we got late, we were on the correct aisle. You know, it's not, we waited until 9.43. We didn't even get inside the train because we thought that is the time the train was supposed to come, not the time supposed to leave because we mm. couldn't imagine that it was leave at 9.43. Why, why 9.43, why not 9.45? 9.30. So it, it came and left, left us standing. So we went and asked someone, hey, uh, we were supposed to take this train. Um, it seems like it's delayed because it's already left. <laughs> and he said, no, that's the train that just left. We're like, why did it leave early? <laughs> they said, no, it wasn't early. It left at the exact time. And we had to wait for another hour for the next train to come. No from- way. 
yeah because i mean we didn't know and and then we got onto the next train an hour later uh, i think the the program manager of the this program already knew that we were going to be left uh, we were going to be left by the train so that our ticket was open ticket we could get into any other train after so um that was that was that was we were lucky that was lucky for us so then we got into the train and we had our luggage and we had our backpacks where we had our we, we had our um we had our passports and all the money that you have because we didn't have a bank account in germany so we we had carried most of money in cash so um and then we we were supposed to alight somewhere all these trains are in german so you have to listen very carefully and for, for a first time person who's not been to germany before so it can be a bit tricky to read the names or to the pronunciation of the names so we stood up and asked someone hey we were we were supposed to get out at this uh, at this at this point are we there yet and he said oh it's actually here the train was already uh, had already stopped so it's actually the, here at, that you're supposed to get out yeah. at the station at that station is when we were supposed to get out and he uh, he said yeah okay go out go. so we took our luggage and we had our backpacks on our seats so guess what the train left to the backpacks where all oh of us my were, god all our money was <laughs> we didn't have anything our phones so oh there was someone god. who was supposed to come and pick us from the train station but we couldn't contact them <laughs> because we didn't have phones oh no okay hold on hold on hold on how why okay i was about to say how did you both how did both of you leave your backpacks at the same time because we were in a hurry to leave the train had already halted for like a, a minute and it, i mean it was too long in germany so we were trying to get things out we had so much luggage um but, but we forgot to take our backpacks we took all our luggage but we didn't take our backpacks because we had placed the backpacks under oh. i think <laughs> oh. that's but that's what they call baptism by fire <laughs> oh yeah oh no and we knew we had lost everything because we knew where we were coming from so we knew if you had left your bag and attended that's it for you so um but then the people who were supposed to pick us we had never met but they knew who we were they came in and said hey oh god you guys were late we were here an hour earlier we told them hey you know we missed the first train so we had to wait for the next train uh, but here we are and then going down they said oh give us your passports we need to um I don't know what we needed. We needed to take another train, short train from Ziegen to Bonn. So um, that's when we realized we didn't have our passports. We had forgotten our backpacks, both of us. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So it was when the people that were coming to pick you up at Ziegen was asking for your passport so that they can do whatever administration that's yeah yeah that's when you guys now realize that your backpacks are not on your body yes oh lord (laughs) okay so yeah so they called the train of course we uh we went to the train office and we told them the train that just left 
uh, that came from Frankfurt had has our luggage, uh, has our back backpacks. They asked which seat we were seated. It was a full train, so you can imagine every seat was occupied, and we we didn't think we would get our stuff back. So they called the train. They sent uh, someone in the train. Uh, someone in the train was sent to go to where we were seated to check our bags, and we got our bags back in thirty minutes. No, can you way. imagine with everything intact? I couldn't believe my eyes. I, my, I was, I was. <laughs> especially, I especially coming, especially coming from Nairobi with matatus. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Can you imagine leaving your bag in a matatu with all yep. that money and? your passport, everything. And that you still is... get it back. All the money intact. Nothing, nothing was taken. Wow. So by the way, um, so for the audience, a Matatu is a public transport uh, system in Kenya. And I, even myself, when I went to Kenya for the first time, it was the first time I ever saw a public transport uh, vehicle with art design and stuff. And I think, is it is it true that they even have design competitions at the end of the year to see Matatu that was best designed and all that kind of stuff, correct? Yeah, there's that art culture, art culture, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so you 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 have now, you and your colleague have retrieved your bag after 30 minutes. You have now had your baptism of fire. You have now also realized that you're in a society where things work and trust is kind of in the system. So how did, how did your journey continue from there? It was, it was so relaxed. Like we were not scared of anything now because we knew we were safe. Like it's such a safe zone, safe space. We couldn't believe it was, it was amazing that you could get your staff back in 30 minutes, nothing untouched. Hmm. Oh, ah, hmm. it was amazing. Ah, I think uh, that is the time I fell in love with Germany. Um, it was when then it was so organized. I'm also very organized, so I prefer to keep time. I prefer to have uh, a certain kind of order. If I'm asked to choose between following the law or being spontaneous, I would choose to follow the law. <laughs> hmm. So I think uh, Germany really was really a good place for me. Yeah, so that's that was my first experience uh, in Germany. Yeah, hmm. there are also did... other things that happened that really also got me really um, stunned because uh, I could see people waiting for pedestrian lights to turn green, and there were mm. no cars passing by. Um, it, it was it was amazing. Hmm. Yeah. When what age were you when you went to Germany for the first time? Uh, I was 23, 22, 23, 22. yeah. 23. Oh, so I think, no, I was I was 23, 24, yeah. Oh, and basically at that time you've already been formed and you understand how cities yeah. work from that from a Nairobi perspective. So you're now going to a new society and you're just like, can this can this be real? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And then from there, when, of course, now with a Shenzhen visa, you can travel to um, other Shenzhen countries. Mm -hmm. So while I was there for the eight months, that's when I got to travel to like three, four other countries uh, because I had friends from Kenya who are from Europe. So during, because when we left was in September. So most of my friends were coming uh, for Christmas to Europe 
So that's when I got to visit some of these countries with them. I went to the Netherlands, I went to Slovenia, and I went to Croatia and Austria. That was the first time I traveled to those uh, four countries. How is Slovenia? I've never met anybody that's gone to Slovenia before. I know it's a small country. Um, my friend actually was from Slovenia. That's why I went to Slovenia. And then I went to Croatia for New Year's. It's, it's a very good country. It's very clean, but it's very small. And uh, I remember going to Slovenia and my friend told me, you know, um, these people are not racist. Don't worry. It's just that they are never, they've never seen anybody like you. So if they stare, do not, um, do not feel like they are, they, they mean they don't mean well. It's just that they they have never se- they have never seen anyone like you apart from on the TV. So I remember going to Slovenia and I went to their house and I could see people peeping through their windows. It's real. It's I'm telling you, it's a, it's a lie. It's, it's not a lie, I'm telling you. And in, this was not Libuana. Libuana I think their, their capital is called Libuana or something. And it was not in the city center. So we had to go inside. And I could see people actually really, really staring. And I remember meeting one African uh, on the streets and we hugged. We didn't even know each other. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's so funny. That, that was the same thing that happened to me when I first went to Canada because um my sister and i went to canada for the first time in august 2001 and Mm -hmm. prior to going to canada i i'm an extrovert generally my sister Mm -hmm. was an introvert at the time now now she's an extrovert now it's unbelievable and (laughs) i kid you not elsie we arrived in canada together and it was as if our personality switched i became the introvert she became the extrovert and the culture shock was too much for me and the big one was anytime I saw a black person, I just fixed my eyes on them as if I have never seen a black person before because coming from Nigeria, which is the largest homogeneous country in the world, everybody's black, you know? And now <laughs> I am in a society where everybody's white. And now when I, see a, when I see a black guy, even like, I probably say one kilometer away, my eyes fixate on him as if he's a prey. So I can, I, I can relate with you seeing another black person and giving him a hug. I mean, that must have been crazy. I mean, why did you, why did that kind of, why did, why did that emotion kind of happen to you at that moment in time? And I can't understand why, but it was the same. It was mutual for her as well, because she told me, oh my God, I can't believe there's an African in this town. It's, all white. I mean, it's not the, one of the popular towns that people visit. It's not. Mm. Um, it's, it's it's not Berlin. It's not Frankfurt. But that Slovenian town was was. I mean, you chances of having met an African were very minimal. So when you when I when we met, it was it was a moment for us. <laughs> ah, it was and it this, was really nice. I remember. Yeah. Did she tell you where she was from? She was from Cote d'Ivoire. Yes, mm. I remember. She was from Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. Did you did you guys grab coffee or grab a meal or something to get to know one another? No, we were just walking. We did, I don't even remember her name. We, we didn't even keep touch because I wasn't going to be there for long. I think it was just, uh, I was already there for like three days and I had like three more days. We didn't even have, we didn't even want to keep touch. We were just happy that we met. Wow. And had... Yeah, 
and that, that was it. It was just a hug and, hey, where are you from? And then, yeah, my name is this. Yeah, that was it. And we went our separate ways. Can you imagine living, <laughs> in, can you imagine living in Slovenia as a black woman and you want to do your hair and there's nobody to do your hair for you? I, what do you mean Slovenia? Even in Germany, I had to do my own hair. Are you serious? Yeah, I learned how to do my own hair, braid my own hair. <laughs> Wow, in Bonn. I thought Bonn was um I have a friend of mine that also went to Bonn to do her masters and she described Bonn to me as a kind of a diverse area. Um maybe Cologne. Cologne is is very close to Bonn. Cologne oh, you, you okay. have a lot of, yeah, you have a lot of Africans in Cologne and there are so many, you know, African shops. But also it's not cheap either. Doing braids in Kenya I spend like $20 to do my braids. In Cologne, I would pay, if I had to go to the salon, I had to pay 120 euros to do the same braids. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how was how was Croatia? What, do, what did you enjoy about Croatia? I mean, I've looked at, I've seen Croatia on, I've never been to Croatia, but I've seen Croatia on uh, Google images and stuff. And it, they really have a very nice pictorial uh, sites and places to take nice pictures and stuff but did you did you have a good time in Croatia what did you get up to what did you get to do there I went for New Year's um the partying in Croatia is on a different level um they dress up hmm. they they really really dress up to go to clubs you know I had already stayed in Germany for like three months so I knew the culture in Germany people would just wear sneakers and jeans to go out, not necessarily dresses. So I went to Croatia and I had already gotten into the you know, system of wearing jeans and sneakers. But then my friends told me, um, do you have clothes uh, to wear for to the club? It's like, uh, is it a costume party? Do, do I need like special clothes or what? They said, no, uh, here, actually, people really, really dress up. So I had to go. I didn't have any, I had not carried any clothes. It was winter anyway. So uh, so I I had to go and buy clothes for for that night. (laughs) I had to go to, and not just any clothes, like really, they really, really dressed up. From where the club that we went to, people are really, really dressed up in like designer clothes. Lujo, like really Italian designer clothes. So yeah, I had to, I had to get myself nice. But I was there for like three days only. I had to dress up for for that one night that I w- I went out in Croatia. <laughs> hmm. Was it? Is there something that stood out for you in your time in Croatia? Um, apart, apart from apart from people dressing up, apart from people dressing up very tastefully for parties. Oh yeah. Uh, they have nice speeches and the people oh. are nice. Yeah. The people are very friendly. Yeah. Hmm. And, and there's a lot of, there are a lot of tourists. It's not like Slovenia. Croatia is more diverse. It has a lot more um, people from different places. I think it's become a very good tourist attraction. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've country, been, I've, yeah. I have a very good friend here in Calgary who is uh who is from Croatia, Bistrin, his name is. So, but he was telling me that, uh, he was telling me that Croatia has changed now ever since the war with Serbia. Yeah. 
So it's kind of uh, challenging for someone like him because of his last name. His last name is more identified with a Serbian. So uh, okay. He he find he finds himself being discriminated in his own country. Ah, uh, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so ah, okay. Mm -hmm. How was how was your time in Netherlands? I mean, Netherlands, the land of riding bicycles and all that. Um, even as of now, I I can't ride a bike more than two meters. Like I used to when I was young, but I never. I, I still can't ride a bike. The Netherlands was good. The Netherlands was um, people. Most people in the Netherlands speak English than in Germany. Even in Germany, they will know. They will. They will know how to speak English, but they will not speak English to you because they study English for sure. But in mm. the Netherlands, most people automatically will speak English to you if you look like a foreigner. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's it's easy it's easier to to live in the Netherlands in Germany even if you look like a foreigner they will still expect you to speak German yeah hmm. that they're yeah. very stubborn that way yeah so the Netherlands uh, it was a bit uh, you know people are a bit you know easier to converse with uh, yeah and also the Amsterdam I went to Amsterdam it was like whoa new experience for me coming from Kenya yeah what was it about that uh, stood out for you that made it the, the kind of experience that you're describing right now <laughs> it, it looked like a sinful city everyone is is okay with all these drugs you're coming you're in Kenya and you're told no you don't smoke weed weed is for bad people and you know prostitution is 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 allowed prostitution, prostitution is in your face in netherlands uh yeah not in the in amsterdam oh amsterdam okay yeah so it was i mean it was very normal nobody really cared about it but i think mostly this is mostly for tourists because uh i don't think that people the dutch people actually really go to those districts to 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 enjoy. I think this is mostly for uh, tourists because you could see the tourists staring and staring. There's a street for people who want white women, there's a street for Africans, there's a street for uh, it's 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 uh are you serious? It's almost like a, it's almost like a market in terms of yeah, sorry yeah, for yeah, prostitution. Yes. Jeez. So if, <laughs> dep depending on what you want on the menu, there's a street for that. Yes, you choose. You can even go and look. Uh, this one, no. You, you pick whatever you want. Yeah, it's like a market. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to say this, but from a man's standpoint, yes, but is there also this kind of menu for women as well? Uh, I never got to, to, to ask or I never got to saw that. But I, I'm hoping there is because I mean, I'm sure there are women also who who prefer to to be treated the same. But I was just curious. That's why I went to see how it happened. Uh, but but yeah. But I'm hoping there's. I'm sure there are. There is a street also for men. But I didn't get to see it. Mm, okay. So yeah. so you finish your you finish your eight months in Germany and then you mm -hmm. came back to Kenya to finish your program. And graduate, yes. Okay. So 
when we were talking offline before you came on here, you said you were on Thai, you were you were in Thailand basically last month. What yes. what took you to Tha- what took you to Thailand, if I may ask? Um, uh, I went with my friends. I went with two of my friends. Uh, we actually use. I love to travel. It's it's a big hobby for me. I spend a lot of money on traveling. I I need to cut down. So uh, we planned this in January. We wanted to go to South Africa in July, but we didn't know that in South Africa, in July, in South Africa is winter. So we changed from South Africa to Thailand. Thailand Thailand seemed a better option. It was not very expensive. And we wanted to experience that new uh, culture. We just want to learn. We want to, when we're traveling, we just want to experience different cultures. We want to understand how other people think. We want to appreciate that people who've not grown in the same atmosphere as you, how they think, how they turn out, how they reason. That's the whole point why I love to travel because it really opens me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for, for a Kenyan with a Kenyan passport, do mm-hmm. you need a visa? To, do you need a visa to go to Thailand? Yes. Is it easy to get a visa to go to Thailand? Uh, we got it in three days. Oh, so you just you just go to the Thai, Thai embassy close to Dennis Street Road there. Yes, exactly. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just go submit all the documents that are required, and you have to wait for your visa. Of course, there you have to have all the required documents. Do you have to go through uh, those agencies like, uh, is it VAC or CVAC or anything like that? Because, you know, if you want to apply for an American, let me not say American, mm-hmm. let me say Canadian, a Canadian visa, you go mm-hmm. all the way to Westlands in Nairobi mm-hmm. and then you submit your passport in an agency and then they're the ones that deal with the embassy directly. Is that the same thing with the Thai embassy? No, the Thai embassy, you go to the embassy directly and you just talk to the consular and they process your visa directly ah okay so take me yeah. into thailand well, i mean i know i've never been to thailand i'm sorry i'm gonna say thailand has got a reputation for men seeking cheap sex uh but um <laughs> <laughs> it's true i mean uh thailand yeah. actually sex sex tourism is a big thing in thailand it's part of it's even yeah. part of it's even part, it's even part of their budget but what is special about thailand aside from that and i know they have got good food as well Oh yeah, they have really great street food. The food is, and it's so cheap. So it is very, uh, it's a very uh, diverse place to be. It has diverse cultures because a lot of tourists come there because it's not very expensive as compared to Europe or other uh, Asian countries like Singapore. So um, Thailand has beautiful scenery. It's so beautiful. It's underrated. It is very, very beautiful. But of course, the one thing that people always talk about is a boy. What are they called? Uh, the girl, the, the boy girl, the, the boy girl or girl boy. Boy, what? What are they? Yeah, those ones who appear to be women, but they are boys. So, and they're so beautiful because we, of course, we interact with them and most of them have their Adam's apple. So you can tell that oh, actually this is a man, uh, but they, their skin is so flawless. It's more, flaw- it's, it's flawless than a woman's skin. I don't know what they use, but it's a beautiful country. They have, 
they have beautiful people people the people there are very good they are very accommodative yeah we really enjoyed thailand Mm. How, how long were you there for? Yeah. Mm, two weeks. Oh, that's a long time. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this, yes. this trip, trips that you make, do you do anything outdoorsy or it's very, very touristic for you? Do you go hiking when you go to any of these places and stuff? Um, in Thailand, we when we got there, we, we uh, asked the hotel what we could do and we had activities that... Most tourists prefer to do when they come to Thailand. So we had like a, a list of activities that we had to do each day. So that's what we do. We want to plan. We don't want to just wake up and ask, what are we going to do today? So before we got there, we had a list of uh, items or places we needed to visit in Thailand. Yeah. Ah, so aren't you a spontaneous kind of person when you travel or you are a very detail-oriented kind of person when you travel? I'm very detail-oriented. I will not leave Kenya without knowing what we are going to do tomorrow when we land the day after. Um, I, I would like to have it planned and it really stresses my mind when we don't follow the plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> the two of us are very, very different people. I travel, I travel without a plan. I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like I'll give you an example. I went to Costa Rica. I didn't even know I was going to stay until I cleared immigration. That, yeah. is when I booked, wow. that is when I that is when I booked the place I was gonna stay. I didn't even know anything about I didn't even know anything about Costa Rica. I didn't even do any form of research. I guess you couldn't you, you couldn't you couldn't travel like that at all. No, 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 no. No, I, I can't. And and actually, uh, Thailand is so known for t- sex tourism, such that as a woman without a man going to Thailand is a big problem because I remember before we got to uh, when at the airport, they asked us how much money we had. So we asked, why do you ask how much money we had? Then later on, we came to find out is because they want to find out if you have enough money to sustain yourself. Because if some people don't even have money, but they go there to, to actually not, they go actually to uh, sell themselves, you know, work as sex workers. So they asked us so many questions what kind of job do you do how much money do you have with you uh, which was which was very draining for us but we didn't know the reason why later on that is when uh we were told is because they are afraid that women are coming here to work and as three women going to um thailand yeah so raises eyebrows yeah so you are you saying if you went there with a guy those kind of questions will not even be asked at all or even if there was one guy or two guys in the midst of the three of you girls? I think it would not have been the same. They would not have expected that we are going to work there because, I don't know, maybe they expected we were just going to stay there forever and, and work as... Uh, but with a man, they know that probably one of these ladies it belongs to this man, so probably he's, they're not coming to do any fishy business here. Yeah. Mm. And from a standpoint of Africans or diversity in Thailand, is there diversity in, in Thailand? Yeah, a lot of Asians. Sometimes it's difficult to tell apart. I know this doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but, yeah, but uh, there are a lot of Indians as well. Hmm. Um, 
But when it comes to Africans, I didn't, in Bangkok, there were a lot of, not a lot, there were a few Africans that we met on the way. In Phuket, we went to Phuket, an island. In Phuket, we didn't see any, any African. So I don't know, I don't know about the diversity because I didn't see any African, but they were white, white people because it's a holiday destination. The Asians, I don't know where, who comes from where, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you were in Thailand, did you feel welcomed as a black woman or, or did you feel any form of racism or anything like that? Or did, sorry, not racism, discrimination. No, um, they were very welcoming. I, we never ever experienced any 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 kind of discrimination at all in Thailand. Mm. Now, mm. Mm. yeah. And this was your this was your first time going there. Yeah, it was my first time to go to Thailand. Yes. Ah, fantastic! Mm-hmm. All right, so we are going to take a water break on this uh, session, and then we are going to come back with Elsie Wairimu on the other side. So stay with us. So we took a water break and we are back with Elsie Wairimu and uh, she took us to Thailand and was telling us about her time in Bangkok, Phuket. And I think the beautiful thing I liked about what she said is that there was no form of discrimination for black people over there, which is very important. So um, Elsie, your time in Thailand is coming up to an end. Did you only go to Bangkok and Phuket? And if, if not, where else did you go in Thailand? Um, yeah, so unfortunately, I only went to Bangkok and Phuket. Bangkok is already too big to finish in 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 a week to visit in a week. So we had limited time. So we only managed to go to Bangkok and Phuket the whole time. But it was lovely. I I can highly recommend. It was it's one of my favorite places to be. Yeah. Thailand or Phuket uh bangkok or phuket you mean so no when you say one of your favorite places to visit do you mean the country itself or or or, or phuket itself the country itself because the both places that i went to were really fantastic Mm. yes so for someone like me that has never been to thailand before what is the one thing that you tell me that if you go to thailand you got to do this I don't know if you're into shopping, but yeah, shopping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is why do you why do you recommend shopping? Is it is it cheap or is the quality good for the price? Good thing is that um hmm, the price is very, very, very favorable. Also, the sizes. I'm I'm very small. Okay, not very, but I'm small. Sometimes it's difficult for me to get sizes without having to alter my dresses. And in Thailand, I felt like I was a size 16 because I couldn't find like really small clothes because the people are very, very tiny. Mm-hmm. And but but they are very they have very unique clothes that uh, are very good quality and at a very affordable price. Shopping in Thailand is must do if you go to Thailand. Please save keep keep some money aside for for put some money aside for shopping. Hmm. basically basically this is yeah. a psa a psa to any any lady listening to this conversation yeah. because we yeah. we men i mean hey shopping is that why we are going to the country <laughs> hello um <laughs> so but 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 F, fyi to the audience even though elsie says she's small she's taller she's tall actually you're taller than me by the way yeah i'm very tall yes yeah i used to model I, oh 
yes, you said that. So model, how did, how did that opportunity come about? Were you walking the streets and an agent saw you and said, we need that lady to come models for us? How, how did that opportunity come about to become a model? How did you know that? Anyway, it, it started when I was in high school, after high school, immediately after high school. And all my friends were like, you know, you can be a model, you could do this. But it wasn't in my interest. I didn't want to be a model at all, ever. But they're like, you know, you're skinny, you're tall, you can be a model. So I gave it a shot. I tried um, to be um, to do a few beauty pageants. I won a few of them. Uh, also, did some commercial okay. modeling. You, you, you've got you've you've gone too far into your into going into the shows. How did the opportunity come about? You did did you go to an agency in in no, Nairobi? Not yet. At this point, where I'm talking, I've not yet gone to an agency. Oh, I'm just doing okay. like random beauty pageants. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and then and then. Uh, surprisingly when I was working in town I was with my mom and someone stopped us and he said hey you know what I'm a photographer and I would love to take a few photos of you and see if you can model because you have like the structure to be a model I was very skinny um you could you have the structure and my mom was like yeah okay yeah she can try I'm sure she wants to I was like, no, how do you know I want to? But, well, I agreed because she was paying for the photography. I did um, the photos and now I was, he posted, this photographer posted me in a few magazines, cover magazines. So I got a few contracts here and there, which I, yeah. So I did a, few, a little bit of commercial modeling. Yeah, but I was very young. I did it for one year and that was it. Why so short? Oh, hmm. Well, modeling in Kenya doesn't pay so well. And also it can be dirty. So I'll just leave it there. So I, was, I wasn't into it so much because, I mean, there was, you know, the... Well, I got a contract and my con- my person who gave me the contract told me, Elsie, you know what? There is nothing for free in this world. You oh, get your no. contract. And so that, I, I mean, for me, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Wow. So that's so, how I stopped modeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if, if I may, we're not going to insert you into my questions for this particular topic, but yeah. Are you saying that the these agents out here, out there in Kenya, are preying on young girls? Uh, I was preyed on. I would. I don't know about the other agent agencies, but whoever was managing me really wanted me to um, <laughs> give something in return. Jesus. And, for, and, and for the contract and, I got. Yeah. And I will presume you were in your mid teens at this time. I was 18. I was 18. Wow. So that means yeah. if you if you didn't have the kind of mom you had who was resourceful and stuff, unfortunately yeah. there's there are some ladies out there that would 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 make that bargain or make that trade. Definitely. And the package comes out 
so well you're going to be on billboards you're going to have this amount of money remember just coming from high school you don't have any money however little this money is right now at that time was a lot of money so but if you're not very grounded uh, it's sometimes challenging to to say no and 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 sorry i'm going to ask a question but did, when did you ever share this with your mom no because if she listens to this podcast then she will know why i i stopped uh, taking those photos and doing this uh commercial modeling walkway uh, i mean anyway um i never shared it with anyone actually i'm sharing it this for the first time because it was so frustrating and everybody kept telling me you are a model you can do this but they didn't know what it entails to be uh, a model so when when mom saw that you were no longer going to take pictures didn't she say hey I don't know what she calls you. Let's say, hey Elsie, so why are you not going taking pictures anymore with that particular agency? She didn't raise that question. She did, uh, but I told her, I mean, I wasn't interested and I got busy. I joined university immediately after, so had a good reason to 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 say no. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, man. I'm a very inquisitive person. Um could, could aren't, aren't the agencies out there that are ethical and want to do things the right way that maybe I'm people sh- can find out about from the grapevine? Definitely. I'm definitely sure there are agencies that are right and they are doing things uh, the right way. But uh, the one that I used wasn't wasn't that. And I was so young, I didn't even know anything. And I felt like um, this person was taking advantage of me. This was the photographer and the manager at the same time. So um, my heart left modeling at that, that particular you mean point. That same, that same photographer that came to approach you and your mom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means you, 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 you're telling me that this man saw you with your mom and could still say that to you when your mom was not around. Because typically, if, someone, if I meet somebody with their parents i would always still associate their parents with them even when their parents are not around that means yeah this this guy is I, evil yeah but i remember it was like uh 10 years ago but i remember i told one of my friends called evelyn her dad was at that time was a police officer and i told him uh, i've only taken these photos i got this contract but this guy said he wasn't going to give me this contract because and i saw the contract because i have to do blah 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 this dad was ready to go and arrest him he was like no then he should give you back your money the money that you pay because we had to pay like a registration fee for to- i paid a lot of money to this agency uh so he was like you need to go and get back your money he was ready to go but i didn't want drama i i didn't even want my mom to find out yeah so So the pictures that were taken of you. Yeah. Who who owns those pictures? They were used. He took me the he took the photos of me. He posted he used to post on like Saturday magazines or different types of magazines and then some corporates let's say Cadbury would want to advertise with you. They would say, "Oh, we saw a model from this agency. Can can we use her for our advertisement?" So that's how you would get the contract. So she would advertise he would advertise your photos and 
corporates corporations would select the model they want to come and advertise their product you get i get it yes i do yeah so that's how i i, I got uh i got contracts but i didn't end up uh doing them getting them actually <laughs> have have you have you seen pictures of yourself out there that you never sanctioned to be out there from no, no, this no, particular no, no. agency no 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 they were they were I don't think they were legit photos. They were real photos, like decent photos. So um, I don't think I have a problem with any photo no, that would go out. <laughs> no, the question, the question I'm asking is not, the question I'm asking is if you take mm-hmm. pictures of someone and mm-hmm. the person says, you know what, I'm out. I don't want to, I don't want to make this trade that you're asking me to mm-hmm. do. And then you are, you are now out of the game. You're now back in school. Mm. I'm asking this from I'm asking this from a standpoint of eth- ethics. Mm. Could they use those pictures without your authorization? They can never. If they did that, then they would be sued. Yeah. The, the okay. problem was they, if I signed the contract, then that would be the problem. If I got a contract and they they didn't actually do what they had said they would do after I had signed the contract, then that then. I had grounds to sue them, but he would not allow me to sign the contract before whatever he wanted, right? So he mm. would say, oh yeah, because of one, he would tell the co- company to select another model, you know, yeah. yeah. You know, the reason why I'm staying here, I'm staying here because I have a friend mm-hmm. who also in Kenya, who mm-hmm. basically was preyed upon not in the same context as a model, but in the same context as an employee and a boss situation. Mm-hmm. She called me crying. And when she mm-hmm. told me the story, I was so disgusted that even though I'm not related to her or anything, honestly, I wanted to do something about it. And the fact was, she said, UI, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything about it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, why? Let me ask you, and I'm, I'm asking these questions for someone listening to this conversation that probably has been in a similar situation like you and stuff. And maybe this is going to be like form of, a form of healing for that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why do you think mm-hmm. women do not follow through to either put this person in trouble or press charges and stuff? Why, why don't women do that? Because my friend, my friend was preyed upon in a, in a bathroom, by the way, at a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And she's she's not done anything about it, which still which hurts me a lot because someone has taken advantage of you in a Christmas party, in a bathroom, in in a power dynamic relationship, and you don't want to do anything about it. Why do you? Th- I'm just asking as a man. Why why do women not do anything sometimes? Um, in my situation, remember I was very very young. I didn't have I didn't know what to do. I didn't know that you can actually put this person into trouble. How? I was scared. Also, I think it, it applies to uh, when you're working because most of these men sometimes are your superiors eh? and they will try and reduce you. If you refuse uh, the advances, they will reduce you to, they will even get you fired for very, very small things. So people are very, very scared of of uh, fighting this kind of people because they're in a position of power and mm-hmm. and there's not much you can do as a woman and things actually can turn around 
so quickly and and you will find yourself jobless you are trying to uh you know tell people about what's happening but he's in he's in a more influential position than you are sometimes that's the reason but you will not see a woman who is um who is doing better than a man being harassed by this man it's always the other way around a man who is above harassing a woman who is below but I mean, because they know if you are harassing a woman who is your superior, you will get into trouble. It's all about power and and um, repercussions. Yeah, who will be more affected after this comes out? Also, uh, you don't want to be labeled as, you know, anyway, it happens to a lot of women. Trust me, trust me, you are. It happens to a lot of women, but they want to keep their jobs. They don't have any alternative. Now, as as, as an African woman, Mm-hmm. living in africa living in kenya when you see mm-hmm. the when you see the me too movement that was taking place in north america and europe mm-hmm. do you wish that the same thing would, ha- would would come to the same movement would come to africa yes i would hope that uh, people would be able to speak up about the things they are going through uh yeah yeah i'm hoping that we will get there one day and we are we are moving to the same direction, yeah. That is a very, that, I think for me, the reason why I'm emotional and I'm staying here is just because someone cuts a dream that potentially could have taken you. I mean, we, 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 we know of, uh, what's the name of that girl from South Sudan or Sudan that is now in the supermodel? Uh, mm. there's, so many, there's so many people from um, Africa, even Nigeria, there was a lady that was on my streets when I was growing up in uh, Surulere. And yeah. she was uh, she was um, selling bread, and agents saw her, and today she's a super agent and everything like that. So the reason I'm saying that is because you potentially could have been one of those people, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. someone wanted to make that kind of trade and spoil this whole journey that probably could have happened. Who knows? Yeah, and you know, I meet this person, and they can't believe it's me. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll meet them and I'll say hi, hi, and they'll be like, hey, uh, they would want to continue conversing, but um, no can't you mean you mean you you still you still you've run into this person ever yeah, since then? a couple of times yes uh but much much later like five uh, even last year like 10 years later and they were like you've not changed at all i'm like yes you see i had potential but you killed it <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> yeah but yeah so it's okay when when one door closes they say a window opens i don't know <laughs> Yeah. I don't, well, yeah, I don't feel bad about it because I, I think it, I developed a lot of character at that time, and I knew there are things that I, I wouldn't do, uh, in my life ever to go forward. Um. Yeah. Hmm. So, so in terms of uh, career, so so tell me a little bit about your career. So, you have finished your bachelor's of finance. You've come back from Germany. Mm-hmm. What, what what what's what have you done with your career so far so it was very 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 difficult actually to get a job in kenya immediately after after graduation so but then uh so i started my airbnb as you know i had three of them i had a three bedroom i had a two bedroom and i had a studio so um this was in 2019 that's when i started and it was so challenging and challenging. But but it wasn't in the beginning, it was nice. 2019 was good. 2020 was good until the end of 2020. 
that's when COVID came and most of my clients were foreigners. Most of them were coming from outside. Um, and then at this time there was travel restrictions. So there was nothing. There was, there was, I didn't have any clients. So I had to close them down. One of, one of them didn't have tenants for some time and it was broken into and my things were stolen I, 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 you, you, you you know that you know that I know that story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that that are, that is crazy. Yeah. Those are some of the challenges I was facing. But in 2018, I got a job together with Julie. She was my colleague, and I got a job as an executive assistant for an international company. Um, then after that, I stopped. I continued with doing Airbnb alone. And then after that, after Airbnb uh, went down because of COVID, because I closed most of them, I didn't have clients. So I wasn't going to pay rent. And it was a lot of rent at that time. I wasn't just going to pay rent for houses that don't have uh, tenants. So I had to find a job and I got another job and another job. And now I'm working as um, as an operations manager for a telesales company. I would rather not say. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So are you using your finance background at all in any of these opportunities that you're currently doing especially this operation manager position oh yeah as an operations manager you need to be all around you need to have a background it is better if you have a background in finance background in marketing sales everything hr you need to know you have to you need to have basics in all this but thank god when you study bachelors of commerce you have a background in the first two years you have a background of everything in the business world and then the last two years you specialized you specialize in whatever you're doing but well it took me three years but i did everything um related to business so i'm currently working for a telesales company um as an operations manager yeah it, uh, I also worked as an auditor at some point. So I used my financial skills, my finance skills at some point. But at the moment, I'm not. But I'm, I'm also in the process of launching a new business, which I will not talk about in depth because it's already not yet launched. But I'm hoping to come back to, to your podcast and explain more because my stories are like... <laughs> There are many. I, I'm hoping to come back again and tell you more about my businesses. Yeah, you, you don't you don't want you don't want the vultures to circle around and steal the idea. Yeah, it's it's still not yet launched, so uh, it's coming and it's big. So I'll come back and tell you how it's going. <laughs> Fantastic. So, in terms of travel, um, of all the countries you've visited, which is the your favorite, and why? Um. I'm the same. Hmm. I think my favorite is Singapore. Mm. Is it because Singapore. it's Singapore? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's expensive. So clean and and it's organized. It's like I like Asia, by the way. Dubai is nice. Or Thailand is also nice, but uh I think Singapore, Singapore is like Europe in Asia. It's clean. It's everything is organized. Trains are fast. Everything is very precise. And there are so many activities to do in Singapore, although it is very expensive. I think Singapore, you can, I mean, for a two-week stay in Singapore, you will need 
so so much money it's not like thailand thailand is 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 quite affordable but singapore was the most expensive place i went to but it was best it has really good people everyone is very civilized rich culture just like thailand yeah mm. wow i've never been to singapore myself but um i've been told about that the fact that if you you chew a gum you can't even throw the gum on the streets you can get arrested for that yes it's that's, very that's super clean it's super super clean yes it, i mean if they're going to adjudicate throwing a chewing gum on the ground that means it sounds to me as if it's, a, it's like a police state is it that there are police <laughs> everywhere no they're just rules and they make sure everybody follow the rules it's not like rules are not flexible and they shouldn't be if traffic lights say it's green you should go when it's green not when it's red not try to fight with more tattoos here and there very true so um of all the of 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 um the countries you've been to which country are you would you really like to visit that is on your radar right now um south africa funny thing i've never been to south africa you've not been to south africa before yeah never been to south africa but we are planning on going to south africa in january yeah Oh my god, I was actually thinking that one of the 13 countries you visited was already South Africa. No, it's not among them. <laughs> oh wow. And and where do you want to go in South Africa? By the way, I don't know if you know this about me, but I lived in South Africa for 9 months. Oh, really? I want to go to Cape Town or yeah, Cape Town. Cape Town, Cape Town is really really nice. Um Yeah. It's a very very nice place. I think if you go to if you go to South Africa and you stay in Joburg and then you go yeah. to Cape Town and stay in Cape Town honestly i don't know about other people but for me anytime i was in joburg i just felt like i could get mugged at any time yeah and when, <laughs> and when, i'm i'm not i'm not kidding you and i was staying in a place called santon and santon is like a very high brown neighborhood and i remember coming out from a hotel and, and jogging and i just felt as if there were eyes looking at me every time even from the trees it was Yeah. I literally I literally would always just jog on the on the road where the hotel is until yeah. I break out a sweat and then just go back into my hotel but in Cape Town I felt mm-hmm. more at ease I felt more relaxed and stuff and the the mountains there yeah. are really really nice. Mm, but, okay. But in terms of um poverty it's so sad that uh, there's a place in Cape Town called Cape Flats. Mhm. It's probably the most violent uh, neighborhood in the whole of South Africa. Oh wow. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's the only sad thing about Cape Town is just that uh, mm-hmm. it has the most vo- it has the most violent area f- not too far from uh, Cams Bay, which is oh. a very very which is a very very nice place. I saw I saw Prince Harry there one time when I was there in 2013. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So Enjoy yourself when you go to South Africa but I really thought South Africa was going to be a place you've already been to. Have you been to Namibia before? No. You should. It's Well, we have been to Ghana. It's close to Nigeria, right? Ghana is oh. cool. I love took, Ghana. What took you yeah? to Ghana? Yeah. <laughs> uh work. Ah, uh, okay. This is when you yeah. were an auditor for that company. No, no, no. Just recently, um, I'm still working for the company that I'm working for now. Yeah. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this show is all about uh, travel, 
business minded and failure. So um, can you tell me a failure that you've experienced that's destabilized you and how did you rebound from that? Hmm. Um, I wouldn't call it a failure, maybe. Uh, well, anyway, the first one that I can call a failure was not exactly a failure. It was when I was transitioning from vet school to, uh, to business school. And I felt like everyone who was my friend was already ahead of me. And it really killed my spirit. I was so demotivated because when I was in second year, some of my friends were already working. Now I'm here trying to struggle. And I don't even know whether after I finish uh, my college, if I will get a job. You know, it was so draining. It was, I felt like I was lagging behind. Um, I think this really, really killed my spirit. But then I, I, I pushed on, I worked hard, and that's how I ended up in Germany. And in Germany, I think that's why I got so many opportunities. Um, after that, I was able to get jobs because I had international um, experience. So it, was, it wasn't actually a really bad thing for me to the transition because I was wondering, when will I ever catch up with my friends? When, when will I ever, ever catch up with my friends? They already have two years work experience while I'm still in school. So um, that was very, very challenging. It was very, very challenging for me. And also when I had, and also during COVID, when I had to, when I lost my job and I had to work entirely uh, through Airbnb and it was, it was, it was difficult. People thought that it was, it was nice. You have your free time, but it was tough to get clients to come in, um, to get things going. Uh, it was, it was really, really draining it took so much energy from me and I and at that time my mom wasn't working whether I was raised by, by a single mom that's why you keep hearing me saying about I was about to say I've not had that yet so yeah, I, I, yeah okay 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 yeah so I was raised by my single mom and at some point my mom left to go to uh, work elsewhere so I had to move in with my grandparents so the whole time I was in high school and after high school, I was living with my grandparents. So the better time, the better part of my childhood, I was with my grandparents. I would say that's the time you you're growing, you're, you know, you're talking to people about changes in your life, you know, you know, so I, most of it, I, I was talking to my grandmother. She was very, very special to me. She was, and then, um, and then she passed on uh, in 2019. Just before I got my first job, I was like, oh, my God, why? Why would you die now when, when I need to, um, to treat you nicely? And at that time, I was like in a seven-year relationship. And immediately after, it also ended. So it was, it, was, it was so much for me at the same time. I think I went into a mini depression nobody knew about, but it was, it was too much for me to handle so I felt like I had lost everything I had. I was in despair. I don't think this is a weakness, but it's something that I had to deal with that really helped me bounce back. So um, at that time, every, everything was disposable to me because I was like, ah, everything I loved, these are, were very special people in my life. They're all gone. So, um, so for me now, from then onwards, everyone to me was very disposable I mean 
how can you be meaningful to me when everybody who was special to me, not everybody, but most people who are very, are two people who are very special to me are not in my life anymore. So I'm still struggling into creating relationships and, you know, permanent relationships because I feel like everybody's going to leave anyway. So I think it's something I'm working on at the moment. I can't say I'm still there. So um, it's still very hard for me to make like real, real connections yeah but i'm working on it you you know that i'm not going to i'm not going to allow that to slide (laughs) (laughs) no you know i'm not gonna allow no (laughs) you know i'm not gonna allow that to slide so what is gonna happen is this um we're gonna take our final water break here and then i'll be back again with elsie wairimu for our last session so stay with us So I am back with Elsie Wairimu and we are now in our final session. So Elsie, I was about to wrap up the conversation slowly. And then you said something that my inquisitive self would not allow to slide. And especially because of the length of time. I have also been in a relationship that lasted for seven years. And trust me, it's something that I think about and I say to myself, you know what, that's a long time. And her and I were still friends. Uh, you know, she, she, if my father, if my father gets to hear this episode as well, trust me, he's gonna have the same conversation like your mom had with you. My dad, my dad was aware of that uh, relationship, and uh, w- when we talk about it, we, you know, we we discuss and say where the things I did that made it and the way it did. No regrets, but at the end of the day, you know, it's part of my my life and my history. So. 2019 seemed to be a very, will I call it consequential year for you. You lost your grandmom who you lost your grandmom who was this lady that raised you when your mom was away for whatever reasons. And you were in a seven-year relationship that ended the same year as well. So it seems as if two things ended around the same time that were dear to you. 2020, the relationship ended in 2020, but it was a few months apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, a few months uh, prior uh, after your mom, your grandmom passed away. So, uh, grandmom passed away, natural death, you know, old age and stuff. But seven year relationship comes to an end. If I may ask, did you see it coming? And seven years is a long time. So, yeah. Well, did you, did, did you see it coming? You, um, at the back of my mind, I thought maybe it will come to an end because we started going into different directions. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't want it to end. I didn't know how I was going to live after that. I mean, this is person who is you familiar with for years. I mean, it was almost like you know, uh, like someone you're used to. You can't live without. I thought. So um, it was it was very tough. It was very hard for me, but I think I had I had some ins- in my mind. I knew because we are arguing because of, of a particular thing, which none of us is willing to compromise. I knew at some point it was going to end. Yeah, but I wasn't ready. <laughs> mm, I see. So, yeah. so you said that um, ever since then, it's been affecting you to get into long, stable 
kind of relationships? Is it something that you have identified about yourself or is it your lack of trust with men <laughs> in general? I think it's both. No, no, not lack of trust. I don't say I, I, I did. Uh, I trusted him. Uh, it's about maybe I'm scared that what if I commit for another seven years and and nothing and then it, it goes away? Um, what if I love too much and then things happen, then I have to deal with this kind of heartbreak for a whole year? You know, I think it's just fear. That's what I'm saying. These are things that I'm working on. These are things that I, I know most people are dealing with, but it's possible. I meet I meet him right I meet him and he asks, Oh, I thought you would be married by now with kids. I thought I would actually after leaving him, but in my mind I can't even entertain the thought thought of that anymore. And that's anyway, yeah. So I think it's because I feel like I don't want to be hurt. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And also, for, I also, let me tell you one thing for sure. I wanted to get married because of my grandmother. By the way, I, she, she, I would see how she was enjoying weddings of my friends. The traditional weddings, a big deal in my culture. So uh, she would. So, so just hold on. If you're listening to this and you're not Kenyan, the traditional marriage in Kenyan culture, especially with where Elsie is from as a tribe, is called Rurasho. Yes. Oh, yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's yeah. really a big deal. The, actually, the Rurasho is mostly for the parents or the grandparents. In my case, my, my grandmother was very involved. Um, and she would tell me, I cannot even want you to be involved in someone without having them do a rurasho because I want to wear those dresses and it got into my mind not because I really wanted to get married at that point but it's because I wanted her to be happy I wanted her to call her friends the way she's been called all this time to go and celebrate uh, her friend's daughter's weddings traditional weddings you know get the diary get people to sing it was all for her and then afterwards after she passed on, I don't know. I, I I didn't. I felt like I didn't want to do this anymore because I think I wasn't. I didn't want to do it for myself. I just wanted her to be happy, to be proud, to make sure that um people believe also can see that she can also have uh that kind of thing. It's a big deal. I'm telling you. So um so so many things changed changed at this changed at that particular point for me and. Um, I had to orient myself in other ways. Like I, I had to stop thinking about uh, the partner that I had just lost. And I had to focus on other things because I didn't know how to live without my grandmother, without this person that I have known for seven years. It was it was a very, very tough time. And now I didn't want to get involved with anyone because I don't want to feel the same. I don't want to have the same feeling I had when I lost these two people. So did did your yeah. did your grandmom like him? Yeah, she did. She she showed his photo to everyone. If your grandmom was still alive past uh 2019 entering 2020 21 do you think she would have allowed you to part ways with him 
No, should have called him. <laughs> so in a way, in a way, your grandmom's passing, kind even though you guys were having these issues, she was kind mm -hmm. of the glue. She was kind of the glue. Oh yeah, yeah. Because now, even when we have we had issues, I had to, you know, make up because my grandmother would always ask, "Oh, how is he doing? When is he coming to see us? Can you know? Uh, can, can you show me his photo?" Then I would show I would show my grandmother, and she would take it round when we have a family gathering. And uh, yeah, so I think maybe she played a big role for me to be to have still been into the relationship, even though. I had given some ultimatums <laughs> and uh yeah i think i think she really played a big role come to think of it i'm thinking of it right now yeah so yeah did your did your grandma did your grandma ever ask why it's taking long for him to either propose or take it to the next level um of course she asked them eh? it's normal uh, but I was also not ready. She could tell. I was still very young and, you know, I wanted to live life. I was not in a rush to do anything. All she wanted is eventually for me to have a traditional wedding, regardless of where, when. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have yeah. another I have another question. I hope it's not too sensitive. Um, yeah. Was your hesitation, not, not was, is... In, in hindsight, would you say part of your hesitation was also because you were raised by your mom and they, and you didn't see any positivity when it came from your from a man raising you or being in your life at that point? No, my grandfather was very present as well. He played a very, very big role. And, and any time I needed anybody to come to my high school, when my mom was not around, my grandfather would come. He would come very early, actually. I would see him from the gate outside before other parents would come. So I have had very, very, very strong um, father figure as for my grandfather. I, have, I also know my, who my dad is. Yeah, but I found out much, much later. I f knew about my dad when I was 20. So, I mean, it doesn't no make a lot of difference. Yeah. No, no, no connection with him. Yeah, yeah. But my no. grandfather really, really played a huge role for me. And yeah. Grandpa is still around? Yes. Still, are you still close to him? Oh, very, very close. So when my grandmother died, he tried to like play both roles. Yeah, I, I love him to death. He's he's very good for a person. Yeah. So uh, if yeah. you're also listening to the show, I can also give you another tidbit of uh, Kenyan culture. Uh, grandparents. Now, and I don't know if this is. Uh, sorry, we, we had a little bit of a technical uh, glitch there. Um. So I don't know if this is uh, a Swahili word or if it's a Kikuyu word. And Elsie, you're going to correct me. But uh, for the audience listening, um, grandfather in Kenya is called Guka, and grandmother correct. is called grandmother is called Shosho. Correct. Is that Swahili or is that Kikuyu? It's Kikuyu. Ah. But now Kikuyu culture has become. I mean, people are using these names regardless. Whether you're using Swahili, you might as well say Guka to mean grandfather because Kikuyu culture is everywhere. So some words in Kikuyu are being used as in Swahili, but they are originally Kikuyu words. Yeah. Okay. But if I go to if I go to Tanzania, which is like the mother of all Swahili, or if I go to the coast, uh, which is uh, where the pure Swahili is spoken in Kenya, 
um, if I wanted to use the Swahili word for grandfather, grandmother, what is it? Grandfather is Babu. Okay. And grandmother is Nyanya. Nyanya. Nyanya, yes. Nyanya. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, sorry about uh, the demise of your seven-year relationship. <laughs> and uh, I think, uh, do, do you think, do you think for him himself, he regrets your grandma passing on? Or do you feel that because your grandma passed on, that was kind of the key for you guys to part ways? Because the, no, the, no, glue, no. the, the, the glue was not there anymore. Uh, no, uh, I don't think the, the, the breakup has, it had anything to do with my grandmother. Of course, she was very, he was very fond of my grandmother. And my, he knew that my grandmother loved him. So um, the main reason wasn't that. But I'm sure if my grandmother were still alive, uh, things would have been a little bit different and maybe the breakup would have been prolonged. I don't know. Prolonged, yes. yeah. That's the word. <laughs> yeah, but um, he was very fond of my grandmother and my grandmother as well was very invested in this relationship. So, But what I have to say is life goes on, right? Very it doesn't so. matter how long people a lot of people have, have friends also a lot of people who think that because i've known this person for 10 years now i can't leave uh because of certain you know because even though i'm going through certain reasons certain things um but let me tell you um life still goes on you existed before this relationship you still can after yeah mm very much so yeah yeah wow thanks for sharing i mean yeah. uh it wasn't on the cards at all i wasn't going to actually i think <laughs> you're the... i think I, th I think you're the first person on the show that i have spent time and understood relationship with my oh, yeah? my my niece my niece would be very happy to hear this because she was telling me okay you are you need to speak about relationships i'm like nope <laughs> <laughs> not oh, yeah, at all but now with people who've already like really moved on or healed or yeah, because it's, it, it can be very sensitive for, for some people, especially when you have like you're married or with kids, it's, it's sometimes very complicated when it's, um, when it's like that. Mm, very much so. Um, yeah. So to, to, I, to wrap up here, after traveling to all the countries you have traveled to, what would you say you have really learned from traveling in your own uh, words? I've learned how to appreciate different cultures, different mindsets, not to be angry when someone does something. Try to understand uh, from what um, environment they grew up in, what is affecting their reasoning. Um, and yeah, so it really, really has opened my um, social, how do they call it, brain. I don't know, but it is, it's it's the best way to learn about people, to appreciate that people will not always think like you and to understand that people can be different, but you can coexist. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. After, mm. after traveling to all these countries you've traveled to, does Kenya still feel like home every time you arrive back home? Or it's like, man, I can't wait to leave this place and make, no, no, no. make another I place Kenya. home. I, I really, really love Kenya to death. Sometimes you go away for some time and you can't get your way around. 
and you remember how much you know your country and how many people you can call when you need something Kenya definitely will forever feel at home like home mm. yeah yeah mm. so if yeah. if 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 a man if a man listens to this and says man i want to connect with elsie and he lives in germany would you be tempted to move there um hmm. <laughs> because 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 you you never know who is going to press play on your on on this conversation and listen to everything and says and then he hears that you're a model he hears that you're tall he hears that you're smart he's like oh she's well traveled this is a very good candidate. Oh <laughs> and, 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 and and there's there's always a question I always ask at the end. So I'm not going to tell you that because you now say, hey, I'm not going to share that right now. But anyway, if someone if someone is listening to this conversation and is like, man, that girl really sounds really cool. I'm based in Germany and I want to connect with her. And then you guys start connecting. And oh. then it's like, well, decision time. Would, 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 <laughs> would, he be, would, would he be the one to move to Kenya or would you move to where he is? Uh, no, I, I mean, let me tell you, I, of course, it's not black and white. If I can sustain myself in Germany, then of course, I would live in Germany. I love Germany, actually. I do. Mm. Uh, if it's Germany, yeah. Canada, well, mm. yeah, also. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Canadian, I have to visit Canadian brothers, if you're, <laughs> Canadian brothers if you're hearing that, do your thing, okay? <laughs> If 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 you if you if you if you know me personally, hit me up. You know, you never know. I know Elsie. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's good. So, um, I always ask a question at the end of the conversation here. So, um, if you knew you were not going to fail, yeah, what risk or what project would you take on? If I knew I wasn't going to fail. Hmm. Okay, that's a tough one. Uh, maybe I would I would get into more businesses, yeah. Because more business means money and I like to travel, so I have to make money. I think I would get into into very many businesses that seem to be risky. Like what? to make more money. I think forex <laughs> yeah mm. um yeah uh, yeah i i think i would i would engage in business because if you're not failing then of course you're making money and with money you can i'm not saying money is everything but it makes life comfortable um then you can get a lot of many things you want yeah mm. okay sounds yeah. good so any um any parting words to the audience? Uh, I think it gets better. Let me tell you, sometimes you, you'll be in a position and you wonder, this, you think that this is the end for me. But trust me, it's not. It only gets better. I can tell you, you will, it will have highs and lows and ups and downs. But trust me, there's nobody who is always like on a flat flat road you will always go up and down up and up but that's life so mm. do not despair do not despair and everybody is going through something but you it's how you you deal with a situation that really determines who you are so 
nobody nobody doesn't have problems everybody's dealing with something and we all conquer it's all it all depends on your mindset and your attitude towards life things will always come good times will come bad times will come but you have to deal with them as they come because there's no permanent situation mm, mm. yeah indeed and uh if um if the audience wants to connect with you how how can they how can they connect with you especially the brothers that are listening <laughs> just <want> joking instagram <laughs> <laughs> okay so so how how do people how can people connect with you if they want to reach out to you my instagram handle is lc e l s i e underscore nemo n i m o w lc underscore nemo n i m o w yes ah understood and actually yes. again again another thing i learned in uh kenya uh people that have the, the last name wairimo the nicknames people give them is nemo yeah it's 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 amazing because even wanjiko is shiko wanjiro is shiro people don't understand how those nicknames come to by but when you're kikuyu you really understand yeah every, every was, most most kikuyu names have nicknames almost all of them i was about to ask how did these nicknames come about we also can't tell but uh, we understand when we, we hear shiro we know it's wanjiro shiko is wanjiko so nemo mm. is wairimo so yeah what does wairimo mean by the way Wairimo, I'm, I'm not saying I'm correct, but I think it comes from, you know, uh, the daughters who are born from Wairimo are born from like big people, monsters. Like, I don't, I really, I don't know what whoa, Wairimo means. Whoa, 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 whoa. It means like a big person, like, um, uh, honestly, uh, let me just not lie, but uh, monster, Wairimo means monster. Hold a second. Who is the big person here? The father or the mother? The father, like if you're a descendant of that, then you're called what from from this ah, from this is that, tribe. Is that where your height comes from? But could be. Ah, <laughs> but we're all tall in my family, so yeah. Eh? You you got your height from your mom or your dad? My my mom. My mom is 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 tall. Quite tall, yeah. What about dad? He's tall, but you know, for a man, um, he's probably the same height as my mom. I'm taller than my dad. But then for a woman who is tall, then, well, he, he's, he's tall, but uh, he's, not, he's not very tall. You, you, you are 5'9 or 5'10? 5'9. 5'9. Yeah. Wow. Elsie, thank you very yes. much for coming on the show. I'm very glad that uh, you came and shared your story. And uh, I, the next time I come to Nairobi, I hope uh, we get to say hello to one another. For sure. Yeah, I'm <laughs> very happy to have been in, in your show. Fantastic. Well, you have a great day and uh, thank you once again for coming on, okay? All right, you are. That's nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Elsie. Um, based on our conversation, I was 
very touched by her story about how her modeling career came to an end because of the actions of one man that uh, decided to prey on our youth and uh, innocence and uh, after listening to this conversation with um, LCA I kind of hope and wish that the Me Too movement can spread into Africa and expose these predators that are in organizations of, uh, and positions of power taking on um, playing power dynamics with women for sexual advances and favors it's time that the light should be shining on those individuals and shame and embarrassment and even prison time as well should come upon them well thanks Elsie for sharing that and uh, I want to use this medium to for all the women that have been preyed upon by this man um, I want to wish you strength and hopefully you have the courage to come out and tell your story and hopefully bring these people to justice all right with that being said i wish you a great week don't uh, forget to go on the website and uh, subscribe to three nuggets wednesday i will be releasing another newsletter in a couple of days from now with that do something crazy this week and uh, have fun. Bye for now.